Porque me amas tanto si yo solo busco mi propio mal. Porque tanta falsa si tan solo te doy el último lugar. Porque la insistencia y la tanta impaciencia por mi Señor. Porque te mantienes tocando a mi puerta. Porque mientras más me retiro, mientras más yo me escondo, es inútil que quiera habitar el poder de tu amor sobre mí. Hoy te quiero decir que si acaso me olvido o me sigo negando a entregarme a tus pies o no quiero entender de tu amor el poder, rompas mi corazón y te poses en él y me hagas tu hijo fiel. Porque no me dejas y yo tantas veces te digno, porque no te quejas y solo me invitas con dulce amor, porque ofreces tanto y mitigas mi llanto y mi dolor, porque no lo entiendo si no lo merezco, porque mientras más me retiro, Mientras más yo me escondo, es inútil que quiera evitar el poder de tu amor sobre mí. Hoy te quiero decir que si acaso me olvido o me sigo negando a entregarme a tus pies o no quiero entender de tu amor el poder, rompas mi corazón y te poses en él. Y me hagas tu hijo fiel Mientras más me retiro Mientras más yo me escondo Es inútil que quiera evitar el poder De tu amor sobre mí Hoy te quiero decir Que si acaso me olvido O me sigo negando a entregarme a tus pies o no quiero entender de tu amor el poder, rompas mi corazón y te poses en él y me hagas tu hijo fiel, rompas mi corazón y te poses en él y me hagas tu hijo Our, uh, I'm sorry, our scripture, yes, there we go, for today is Psalms chapter 18, verses 37 through 39. Psalms 18, 
verses 37 through 39. I'm going to be reading from the New Living Translation. I chased my enemies and caught them. I did not stop until they were conquered. I struck them down so that they could not get up. They fell beneath my feet. You have armed me with strength for the battle. You have subdued my enemies under my feet. May the Lord add his blessing to the reading of his word. And may he speak through Dan today. And may we gain a real blessing for this Sabbath. Good morning. Killing giants. Have you ever had things that seem so big in front of you you don't know how to handle it? I think probably most of us have had that. You know, and I tell you, as I've gone over these these texts, now we just want to share them with you. We go to First Samuel, seventeen. Probably the most famous giant in Scripture, but there are others. We see familiar story of David and Goliath. David's a young guy. He's sent to see his three oldest brothers who are in Saul's army. They're in the Valley of Elah. And the Philistines are on one side of the valley, and Israel and Judah are on the other side. And it's kind of a standoff there. One's taunting and the other one's not, not really ready to go out and do anything about it. But both sides are making a great show. And this young guy shows up, David. He's to bring food to his brothers and give some wheels of cheese to the person who is in charge of supplies. And David hears this giant speaking, defying Israel. And he wants to know what's going to happen about it. And we're just going to stop there for a minute. And we're going to move to some other giants. We're going to go back to Numbers. Numbers 13. There's some spies that are sent into Canaan. Sent into the promised land. And if we take it up in verse... 26. Now they departed and they came back to Moses and Aaron and all the congregation of the children of Israel in the wilderness of Paran at Kadesh. Verse 
And they brought back word to them and to all the congregation and showed them the fruit of the land. You know, the fruit of the land, I mean, they're carrying one, one bunch of grapes between two guys. This is pretty, pretty good farmland. And they told him and said, We went into the land where you sent us, and it truly flows with milk and honey, and this is the fruit. Nevertheless, the people who dwell in the land are strong. The cities are fortified and very large. Moreover, we saw the descendants of Anak there. Anak was a giant. The Amicalites dwell in the land in the south, and the Hittites and the Jebusites and the Amorites dwell in the mountains, and the Canaanites all dwell by the sea and along the banks of the Jordan. Then Caleb quieted the people before Moses and said, Let's go up at once and take possession, for we, for we are well able to overcome it. But the men who had gone up with him said, We are not able to go against the people, for they are stronger than we are. And they gave the children of Israel a bad report of the land which they had spied out, saying, The land through which we have gone is spies, the land that devours its inhabitants. Now, let's stop there for a moment. If this place is, the people are so big and so strong there, and they're saying that the land devours the inhabitants of it, doesn't make sense. It either, it's either one or the other. It's either they're big and strong or the land devours them, one of the two. And if the land devours them, they don't have to worry anyways. And all the people whom we saw in it were men of great stature. Huh. And we saw the giants, the descendants of Annex came from the giants. And we were like grasshoppers in our, in our own sight. And so we were in their sight. Giants. Think of the irrational statements that they were making. Either the land devours them or they're big. One of the two. Can't be both. And isn't that what really happens to us when we confront giant problems in our lives? We become irrational. We don't think straight. The fears are there. You know, I don't know if anyone has seen the movie Facing the Giants. Has anyone seen that? It was made by a, a church down south, and it surprised the world that they put out this really high-class, top-of-the-line film. And it's about a Christian school and their football program. And for six years, they have been just floundering. You know, they would win like maybe three games out of the whole year. And the parents are talking about, let's get rid of the coach because the coach can't do anything. And he overheard all of this. And he went back home and he started praying. He had a bunch of other problems going on in his life. 
And the Lord took him into the scriptures. And he started studying. And he went to the kids and he started saying, okay, why are we here? Why, why, do, why are we here with this team? And they're saying, well, to win football. And he goes, no, it's not. And they said, well, if it's not, why are we playing football? And he says, he says, I believe that we're here to glorify God. And this could be a tool. Football could be a tool that God could use to glorify him. You know, and we're going to take and we're going to put, we, is, is everyone willing to stand with me and put everything on the line for God? And this team started doing it. And they started praying. The kids' grades went up. They started acting differently. And because of it, there was a revival in the school. And these kids started going out, and they were praying, and they were focused of working together rather than being, having their egos going. And they make it to the championships. And the last team that they had to take and go against was the team called the Giants. Undefeated, four-time state champions. And their team only had 32 people on it, and the Giants had 85. Things were just against them. Other things that happened, one of their star kicker got got injured and broke a collarbone in this in that game. And this kid that this little guy who's their secondary kicker had to make a long kick. And just as he goes to kick, the wind changes so he could didn't have to kick into the wind. He kicked with the wind. You know, and it was all about facing the giants, facing their fears, facing things that are bigger than themselves, but how God brings us through those things. And when we submit to him, the giants don't look so big. You know, one of the things that they used in this game was The coach used the thing about Nehemiah, rebuilding. And he says, you know, they're rebuilding the wall. And each person had to build the wall in front of their own house. Right? And so he tells the defense, of the, the defense to build a wall to protect the other people. You know, and when the time got tough, and they were at their last ounces of energy. They started saying stone wall. To build that wall. To protect. Now it took them a while to get to that point. Their lead defenseman there. He was kind of the leader of the whole group. You know and he at first was. You know. Oh, we can't do this. They're going to beat us. They're going to do this. And in practice, he was saying, the coach says, you know, you've written off this game before we even got to it. He says, um, will you give me your best? And he goes, yeah, I will. 
He says, no, will you give me your very best? And he says, of course. He says, then you don't mind doing the death crawl, which is on your hands and your feet, not your knees, and you have a person laying on your back. And he says, I want you to take and carry him. And he goes, he goes, where do you want me to go to the... He says, can you do the 30-yard? And he says, I could do, you know, I could go to the 50-yard line. And he says, okay. He says, but I want you to do it blindfolded. He says, because I don't want you to just get to one point and give up. And he talked him through it. And he carried the kid the length of the, length of the football field. And he says, you know, when you give your best... I'm paraphrasing this. When you give your best, you know, you can keep going. Yeah, times get tough. He says, but when you give your best, you can do this. He says, and you can lead other people to give their best. You know, so many times... We think we can only go so far, and then it's too hard for us, and we give up. And the giants keep coming. The giants don't go away. And we just stop. So what do giants do? What do the giants in our lives do? If we go back to... 1 Samuel 17. Let's look at verses 10 and 16. Verse 10 says, And the Philistine said, I defy the armies of Israel. This day, give me a man that we may fight together. So what are the first things they do? They defy. And who are they really defying? They're defying God. And if we look at 16, and the Philistine drew near and presented himself 40 days, morning and evening. Why is that so, such a significant statement? It's the time of the sacrifice. Right? And he's out there, and everyone's lined up. They should be at worship, right? And instead, they're out there hearing this guy defying everything that they believe in. He's taken them away from it. So he's defying the God of Israel is what he's really doing. So giants defy God. Your God isn't strong enough to bring you through this. And he would swear by his gods, he'd say, by my gods, I will defeat you. They defy God. Let's look at 
42 through 44. And the Philistine looked about and saw David and disdained him, for he was only a, a youth, ruddy and good-looking. So the Philistine said to David, uh, Am I a dog that you come with me with sticks? And the Philistine cursed David by his gods. And the Philistine said to David, Come to me and I'll give your flesh to the birds of the air and the beasts of the field. What is he doing here? He's challenging him. He challenges, and David, we'll look at it in a minute. David said that he would go by the strength of God with faith. So what they'd really do is that these these giants that come into our lives challenge our faith. You can't do that. No way. You know, there's a, there's a neat song, a contemporary Christian song written by Mark Hall. And it's um, called The Voice of Truth. And one of the one of the verses says, oh, I wish I had the strength to stand before a giant with just a sling and a stone, surrounded by the sound of a thousand warriors shaking in their armor, wishing that they had the strength to stand. But the giant keeps on calling out my name and he laughs at me, reminding me of all the times I've tried before and failed. The giant, they keep telling me time and time again, boy, you'll never win, you'll never win. You know, but it says, goes on with the chorus, says, but the voice of truth tells me a different story. The voice of truth says, do not be afraid. The voice of truth says, this is for my glory. Of all the voices calling out to me, I will choose to listen and believe the voice of truth. You know, and how many times do those giants call out our name and laugh and just keep reminding us, you failed, you're never going to make it. You're not good enough. You're a weakling. Those giants are there doing that day after day. And it's not just them speaking. If we look in 1 Samuel 17, 28, it says here, now Elab, his oldest brother, heard, because David's asking, Who's, who can do this? And he says to him, and Elib, oh, now Elib's, his oldest brother, heard when he spoke to the men, and Elib's anger was aroused against David, and he said, Why did you come here, and with whom have you left those few sheep in the wilderness? I know your pride and your insolence, your heart, for you have come down to see the battle. He says, You're coming down here just to make problems. You notice that giants use other people to help them? You know, and again, you know, if we go back to about the spies, the spies, the giants used the spies to help, help discourage the people so they wouldn't go into the promised land. So they enlist others to help them. So how do we fight giants? And does God prepare us to fight giants? 
tell a little story that happened. I was in Concord one night. This was a long, long time ago. I had to go to the vets to pick up, uh, pick up some stuff um, for, for uh, some of our animals. And I was pulling out of the vet's office out onto Loudon Road, and there was this guy walking in a long rope. <laughs> and I still don't know why I said, hey, do you need a ride? People were going by honking at him, making fun of him and stuff. And so he said, yeah. So he gets in the car, the truck, and we start talking, and comes to religious things. And he started preaching the stuff, and it was like, whoa, this is weird. But, you know, everything he said, the way that he was able to say it, it made sense. And I stopped by the house, and I told Kathy I was going to take him further. He was heading to another area. His name was Michael. I remember that. And... Um, so we got talking, and what he was preaching was predestination. But the way that he put it, you know, it was like, really? Hmm. It almost makes sense. So I started, I got home later on, and I was thinking about what he'd said, and I started praying about it. The Lord took me through this whole thing to show me his idea of predestination is wrong. Well, that goes, a year or two goes by, and all of a sudden, that comes into a church that we're, we're involved with, and the pastor there was preaching it. But the Lord had already shown me, and all of a sudden, this stuff is coming up, and I'm like, huh? And all of a sudden, the Lord just impressed me. Remember Michael. And it all came flooding back. And because of that, the Lord showed me how to fight that giant. God prepares us, sometimes that we don't even realize it. David and tells Saul, look, you know, I can do this because God's prepared me. I've been able to take and kill lions. I've killed bears. This Philistine is no different. If God wants to deliver him into my hands, he will. So God prepares us ahead of time to fight giants. Whatever that giant is in your life, God prepares you for it. He shows you how. Sometimes it's learning during that time of how to do it. And as long as we trust in him, he'll bring us through. He prepares us. We don't need to use the weapon, weapons someone else's like Saul offered David his weapons. We use the weapons that God gives us to do it. Look at verses 38 and 39 of, of 1 Samuel 17. 
It says, so, so Saul clothed David with his armor, and he put a bronze helmet on his head, and he clothed him with a coat of mail. David fastened his sword to, to his armor, and he tried to walk, for he had not tested them. And David said to Saul, I cannot walk with these, for I have not tested them. So David took them off. He said, let me use the things that God has given me. So if we look at verse 40, it says, And he took his staff in his hand, and he chose for himself five smooth stones from the brook, and he put them in the shepherd's bag, and in the pouch which he had. And his sling was in his hand, and he drew near the Philistine. I think it's interesting. He tells how many stones he used. Why five? You know, if you read in other sections, Goliath had four brothers. It's like, well, I'm going to take out everyone. But I think there's, there could be another reason here. Giants appeal to our senses. A lot of giants in our lives appeal to our senses. We need to take and get rid of them, all of the giants that appeal to our senses. You know, also, if you take and you, you study a little bit about slings, you know, we think that David probably picked up little stones like this. It wasn't that. Even to this day, you know, you hear, you hear in, in the Middle East that, you know, these, these kids are, are hurling rocks at, you know, the officials and stuff. They're hurling them with slings. Well, those things clock it going like 90 miles an hour. And those stones that they're hurling... You know, the way that it's portrayed, it's like, oh, these kids are picking up some rocks and throwing at them. No. They're throwing baseball to softball-sized rocks 90 miles an hour. You know, it's, you know, how it's portrayed, it just isn't right. But they figure if you take and you go into the Valley of Elah, that in the brooks and stuff there, most of the stones are that size, that grapefruit size or softball size stones. And they figure that that's the size stone that David used because that's what, that's what they used in the slings. And, it was, and they would go, they, they've clocked them at 90 miles an hour throwing out of a sling. So we need to use those stones, the weapons that God gives us, to take care of the giants in our lives. So what are our giants? I mean, each of us have our own. Our fears, our downfalls, things that are dragging us down, that just seem so big that we can't get rid of them. And how do we kill them? In 1 Samuel 17, 45 through 47, 
And David said to the Philistine, You come with me with a sword and a spear and a javelin. But I come to you in the name of the the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. This day the Lord will deliver you into my hand, and I will strike you and take your head from you. And this day I will give the carcasses of the camp of the Philistines to the birds of the air and the wild beasts of the earth. And all the earth may know that there is a God in Israel. Then all this assembly shall know that the Lord does not save with a sword or the spear. For the battle is the Lord's and he will give you into our hands. That's how we fight giants. The battle is the Lord's. We need to submit to him. You know, all of us have giants. I have giants. You know, and if we say that we don't have them, we're probably deceiving ourselves. So how do we get rid of them? We use the tools that God gives us. This is one of the biggest tools. Because everything is in here about it. God prepares us. And are we willing to step forward as David stepped forward with that sling? When the giant was coming after him, and he took him through that rock. You know, and it's interesting that it says... <clears throat> In Patriarchs and Prophet, when, when Goliath fell, it says, amazement spread among the lines of the two armies. They had been confident that David would be slain. But when the stone went whizzing through the air, straight to the mark, and they saw the mighty warrior tremble and reach forth his hands as if he was struck sudden, with sudden blindness, David did not wait an instant. He sprang upon the prostrate, form of the Philistine and with both his hands laid hold of Goliath's heavy sword without hesitation how many times do we when we think we've finally got the dragon we I mean the the giant that we stand back and go well when we should be moving in to finish it off don't let him get back up and take us again. David had the faith that God would deliver him. And he seized the opportunity and didn't hesitate. Removing the giants from our lives. If we go to Isaiah now, I'd like to close with Isaiah. Isaiah 61. You know, giants cripple people. They tear us down. They defy our God. They challenge our faith. But you know, 
God has given us promises in Scripture. And Isaiah 61 just takes and brings about everything to me. It says, The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to preach good tidings to the poor. He has sent me to heal up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and the opening of the prison to those that are bound, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord, the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn, to console those who mourn in Zion, to give them beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning, the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness, that they may be called trees of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that he may be glorified. Think of when we don't have the giants tearing our lives apart and we submit to Christ. This is what he promises us. This is what he does for us. It says, when, when that happens, they shall rebuild the old ruins. They shall raise up the former desolations. They shall repair the ruined, ruined cities, the desolation of many generations. Strangers shall stand and feed your flocks. The sons of the foreigners shall be your plowmen and your vine dressers. But you shall be named the priests of the Lord. And, you shall, and they shall call you the servants of God. You shall eat the riches of the Gentiles, and in their glory you shall boast. Instead of your shame, you shall have double honor. Instead of confusion, they shall rejoice in your portion. Therefore, in their land, they shall possess double. Everlasting joy shall be theirs. For I, the Lord, love justice. I hate robbery for burnt offerings. I will direct their work in truth. And I will make with them an everlasting covenant. A descendant, their descendants shall be known among the Gentiles and their offspring among the people. All who see them shall acknowledge them, that they are the posterity whom the Lord has blessed. I will greatly rejoice in the Lord. My soul shall be joyful in my God, for he has clothed me with the garments of righteousness. He has covered me with the robe of righteousness. As a bridegroom decks himself, self with ornaments and as a bride adorns herself with jewels for as the earth brings forth its bud and as the garden causes the things that are sown in it to spring forth so the lord will cause righteousness and praise to spring up forth before all nations you know he doesn't want us being captive to the giants this is what he wants for us When we submit to him, we can face those giants and they can be defeated. My prayer for each of us, that God will help us to see our giants and that he will help us to confront them. And it's his battle and he will fight it for us. Amen. Our closing song is 614.
Taken from Ephesians 3, 20 and 21. Glory be to him whose power working in us can do infinitely more than we can ask or imagine. Glory be to him from generation to generation in the church and in Christ Jesus forever and ever. Amen.